All right, welcome today to our Bible class. We're going to be dealing with uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 today. This will be 1 Thessalonians class number 3 for 2021. All right, today we'll be looking 1 Thessalonians class 1. We covered uh, practically the whole chapter last week. Today we'll be looking at verse 10 in particular. We'll start off reading verse 9 and 10 together, and then we'll talk about the wrath of God just a little bit. The wrath to come, as it's stated in verse number 10. Verse number 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now in this verse of Scripture here, we'll start a very... Uh, a very moderated, a very light Second Advent study, which talks about both the uh, the fact that the church is going to miss the tribulation by means of rapture, and also that the Christian that is saved by the grace of God is eternally saved. So what we're talking about is the doctrine of eternal security. The fact that a believer once saved is always saved. And that eternal life means exactly what it says. Life eternal. When a man trusts in Christ, he receives life and he receives it more abundantly and he he receives it eternally. So the Bible says here that we're waiting for his son, he says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come. All right, for this, let's look also and see a couple of verses that go along these same lines. Com uh, companion verses, you might say, that tell us the same things. And as they tell us the same things, they build a very strong doctrine in and of themselves. The, the very best uh, scripture that you can compare with another scripture is the verse before it and after it. Well, we talk about comparing scripture with scripture. Uh, verse of scripture ought always to be compared to its uh, preceding verse. or its. Uh, and so what I'm talking about is uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 1. The best verse to compare that with is Romans chapter 5 verse 2. And the best verse to compare that one to is uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 3. Right in its context, right in its place. But when you see another book and another chapter and another verse say practically the same thing, you can take those verses and compare them together and they build a strong context in and of themselves. It might be uh, Romans 5, 9 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. But those things say practically the same thing. And then when you are talking about their overall context, even those will agree with one another or that they will be complementary to one another in the very least. So that when you're using a verse out of Romans 5 as a companion verse for uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10 or whatever the case might be in each situation when you're using those things as companion verses the the overall context won't be contradicted in other words 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10 doesn't make null and void anything in Romans chapter 5 by applying them together i can use Romans 5:9 and Romans 1:10 together 
without contradicting any of the context that's in either of those chapters. So they're, they're double complementary. They complement one another, plus they build on the doctrines that are being teach, uh, taught in each of those chapters. So if we're going to talk about eternal security, then chapter 5 is talking about salvation. And First Thessalonians chapter 1 is talking about salvation. Not only about salvation, but the power of God and how it uh, works in a community, how it works within a church. So the contexts are, are not divergent. They're very complementary. So First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10 told us we were delivered from the wrath to come. We're looking for Jesus because we're delivered from the wrath to come. So in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. It's not, it's, it didn't say saved from sin. We are saved from sin, but that's not what it said. It didn't say saved from hell. We are saved from hell, but that's not what the verse said. The verse said that we are justified by his blood, he said, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We're saved from wrath because we have been saved for another purpose. Look at Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, verse number uh, 29, Romans eight twenty-nine, And we know, uh, excuse me, uh, we can read verse 28 with it. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, not to be saved, but he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So the believers, those that God foresaw that would trust in Christ, that would put their faith in Christ and be saved and be redeemed and be justified, uh, they would be predestinated. It would be a predetermined factor at the point of their salvation that they would be conformed to the image of his son. Not that they would go to hell, not that they would fall back, not that their inconsistencies would, would uh, redam their souls, not that their sins would take them out of the body of Christ. It would certainly take them out of fellowship with Christ, but that once a man believed in Christ, when God foreknew the body of Christ as a whole, he predestinated them, them as a collective, many individuals in one body. He predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his son. So that's a great verse for eternal security. And not only that, it's a great verse for the future. Uh, the future history, I guess I would say, it's a great verse for the future history of the body of Christ as a whole. A body of Christ, the body of Christ in which all believers who have ever been saved is still a part. Uh, if the body of Christ goes into tribulation, which would be against a, a, one of the main concepts of, of Christianity, is that Christ suffered once for sin. He suffered once for sin. And so if the tribulation that's going to fall upon all men in the time of Jacob's trouble that's going to fall upon Israel, if the body of Christ went through that, and if those things are for the punishment of unbelief, then the body of Christ is suffering twice for sin, a sin that's already been paid for by Christ, the head of the church. And so when a man believes in Christ, he is predestinated. 
His destination is preordained. He's going to be conformed to the image of Christ and that body is going to be saved from the wrath that is out in the future, the wrath to come. The wrath to come means a wrath for somebody that's out there in the future. So predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. The Bible never says that anybody's predestinated to be saved. That's a fallacy. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, some folks believe that. I'm not here to argue about that. I'm here to tell you that what the Bible says is that men that are saved are predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. And that men that are saved as a collective body have been saved from the wrath to come. That is an individual truth. It's a truth for individuals, but it's overall a truth concerning the body of Christ, Ephesians chapter 1. So uh, since I mentioned Ephesians chapter 1, we'll look in Ephesians chapter 1 and we'll start reading at uh, verse 12. Verse 12 speaking of the apostles who were preaching the gospel themselves. Ephesians chapter number 1. And verse number 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, the apostles that are doing the initial preaching of the gospel, that we, the apostles, should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom also, excuse me, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. So you trusted Christ after you heard the word of truth. You didn't trust Christ before the foundation of the world. You trusted Christ after you heard the word of truth. The word of the truth, that verse says, is the gospel of your salvation. In other words, the gospel of your salvation is the word of truth. The gospel is defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this passage says, in whom ye also trusted, when did you trust? After that you heard the word of truth, what is the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. What's the extent of that? He says, which is the earnest of our inheritance. It's the promise of our inheritance. It's the proof of our inheritance. Earnest money for a house. Or people call it escrow. It is, it is a deposit that proves, that ensures that you're going to purchase that house. Well, the Bible says the earnest of our inheritance that we'll receive in Christ is the sealing of the Spirit. The he said, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Your earnest money on a house is kept until you go and close on that deal, until the deal is finalized. Well, we're saved, but there's time left to go. We're saved. There's people left to be saved. We're saved, but the end is not yet. People are still being saved by the same grace that saved Paul, by the same grace that saved Timothy. There is going to be a time when the what we call the age of grace is over. The day of grace is over. There will be a measure of grace even out into the tribulation. But this case says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, talking about our bodies. When our sinful, vile bodies are redeemed and made like unto his glorious body, that will be the culmination 
of our great salvation. We are saved today, but we are being saved on a daily basis in our personal experiences and in the redemption of our body, which is which takes place at the rapture, not only our personal bodies, but the whole body of Christ. It is going to be a culmination of that spirit of promise. The, the sealing of the Holy Spirit is a sealing of promise. It's a promissory thing that God will uh, bring to pass the predestination that's been promised. Romans, uh, back to Romans real quick. Uh, Romans chapter number 8, uh, which is what we looked at before, but this time we'll be looking in verse number 23. Romans eight twenty-three, and he tells us this. Well, let's read verse 22. Uh, also, we'll read verse 21 just to make it uh, make uh, a lot of sense. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. That's the redemption of the of the of the purchased possession we just read in Ephesians. Delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. This is what we've been predestinated for: to be conformed to the image of His Son. Uh, verse number 22, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. The body of Christ, saved people, the saints, the called of God, still experience groanings, travails. Uh, they travail in pain, rather, I should say, until now. And he says, not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. What is the adoption? To wit, the redemption of our body. So it's the very same context as Ephesians 1. Those are, are very, very uh, close as far as their doctrines and as far as their teaching is concerned. You could put those verses right together one after the other and uh, there would be no doubt uh, that those things are teaching a great truth. And those truths are talking about what we've been predestinated to. We've not been predestinated to salvation. We've been predestinated to be conformed to the image of God's Son. And that has great re uh, ramifications uh, when it concerns a future wrath that's going to be poured out on the world because of unbelief. Well, of course, Christ, is our, Christ our head is not an unbeliever. Uh, the body of believers are the body of believers because they have believed in Christ. They have called upon Christ for salvation. So this thing makes a whole lot of sense. Romans chapter number uh, Romans chapter number 2. We'll go back and look at a few things there. Real quick, Romans chapter 2. And uh, in Romans chapter 2, look at verse number verse number Six. We'll start there. Who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. So the people who obey unrighteousness, these people receive indignation, God's indignation. God is indignant toward them. And he's going to pour out that indignation upon them. Indignation and wrath, of which 1 Thessalonians said God had saved us from. Romans chapter 5 said that being justified by his blood, we're saved from the wrath to come. Those who do not believe 
God's going to pour out his indignation. God's going to pour out his wrath. See what it says again. Let's read it together in its entirety without, con uh, without comment. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. So that's a great passage and a, and, and a complete passage, uh, that is chapter 2, that talks to, O man, that's verse number 1, thou art inexcusable, O man, talking about the whole race of man, and in this case, those that obey God, and of course, in the Christian sense, not a general sense in which God's talking to all the world. In that sense, he's talking about you obey unrighteousness, then you're going to get tribulation, anguish, and wrath. You follow after the good works, which is to us as Christians, we know as believing in Christ, recognizing our sinful condition, believing in Christ, trusting in him for our salvation, trusting in his merit for our salvation, trusting in his blood sacrifice for our salvation. To those things, glory, honor, immortality, eternal life. Glory, honor, peace to every man that worketh good. The first good work that a man does, if you can stand to look at it in that sense, is to believe on Christ. That's, that's good. That's a justifying thing. Uh, it can't be considered a work that produces salvation because Christ produced our salvation through his works. A man hearing the gospel is given a choice. He's giving a, he is given a situation where he must make a decision to trust Christ as his righteousness and become a believer or to reject Christ as his righteousness and try to establish his own righteousness, which will end in tribulation, uh, indignation, wrath, tribulation, and anguish, of which God has promised that he would save us from. There is a wrath coming for unbelievers, and God has saved us from that wrath. Revelation chapter 14, and in Revelation chapter 14, verse number 9, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. Exactly what we saw in Romans chapter 2. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So he says the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which wrath God has promised that we are saved from. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 9. Revelation chapter 15 verse number 7. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. That wrath is the wrath that the believer, and not only the believer as an individual, but more importantly, all believers as a body. The Ephesians chapter 4 uh, reveals that the that the collection of all individual believers, there's other passages as well in Corinthians and different places, that proves that all believers are together a body of which Christ is the head. That whole body is predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, as well as every individual in that body. 
no part of your body can be redeemed without all of the body being redeemed. So you're, you're completely saved. The body of Christ is completely saved. It's completely predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. He'll lose nothing. No part of Christ will suffer hell. No part of Christ deserves hell. Uh, that's not to say that Christ didn't taste death for every man and, and that Christ deposited their sins in hell. And when he said, I, he said, I thirst, he was suffering the torments of hell in that moment, I believe. But what I'm talking about is the finished work. From the finished work, Christ will not lose any part of his body into hell. Uh, no part of the body of Christ will suffer hell and no part of the body of Christ will suffer the wrath to come because Christ has already paid the penalty for all those things. So we read in Romans 14 about the wrath of God, Revelation 15 about the wrath of God. And so we'll finish up our study today, 1 Thessalonians, back in 1 Thessalonians. And we'll read verse number 1 again. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1 and verse number 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And now look in chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number, oh, let's start in verse number 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. The hope of salvation is always things that, uh, that deal with the future. I have faith in Christ right now, but I also have hope in Christ for tomorrow. Faith for the day, for today, hope for tomorrow. And it's not a wish for tomorrow, it's a hope. It is the promise that God is going to do this or God is going to do that. And because he's promised, I have bright hopes. So he says, let us, for an helmet, uh, put on the hope of salvation. I'll read it again. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us. That word appointed and predestination are so close you can barely divine them. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. That uh, Now I'm saved right now. I've already obtained uh, salvation, as Peter says in Second Peter chapter 1, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. I've already obtained that. But whether it be through death or whether it be uh, through the rapture, whether it be through uh, my being gathered together unto God, we will obtain complete total salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now when he says, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read the verse again. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. That says the same thing as 1 Thessalonians 1.10. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That last portion of the verse, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, says the exact same thing as Ephesians chapter 1. When it says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. That obtaining of salvation 
is the redemption of the body. It's also mentioned in Romans, which we read and may as well read again. But uh, in Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 23, Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. See, there's a first fruits, and then there's a gleaning. There's a first fruits, and then there's a second fruit to that. You're saved, you're sealed, and then eventually, because we still dwell in a vile body, God's going to make, going to change our vile bodies to be made like unto His glorious body. And so the culmination of that event, our vile bodies being changed to be like his glorious body is the adoption to wit or to explain what the adoption is to wit the redemption of our body so that redemption of our body it's it's still Ephesians chapter 1 the redemption of the purchased possession and it is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9 the obtaining of salvation complete total salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ and when I say complete total salvation I always have to check myself and make sure that what's understood by that is that we're already completely saved our body is saved it's saved by hope our body is still vile it still has a tendency to go astray there's no question about that but the the sealing of the Holy Spirit that comes when you're saved the first fruits of salvation puts you in a predestinated condition, a predestinated position to be so that it's certain that you'll be conformed to the image of God's Son. And while my I don't see the fruit of that yet in my flesh, I see the fruit of it in my heart, in my mind, in my soul, and it's a certainty that my body will be redeemed even though it be yet vile. Our vile bodies will be uh, transformed our vile bodies will be conformed to the image of God's son it'll be conformed and be made like his glorious body all right that's a lot of a lot of stuff to chew on in that passage you can go back and listen to it as many times as you will I believe that's a satisfactory explanation of those things and if you'll look at them read them pray about them memorize them then you'll see the sense of it and you'll get the understanding of it even if you don't completely understand it the first time you hear it Read it, study it, uh, pray about it, and read the context of those chapters in which we found those in individual verses. And you'll come, to, you'll come to see it clearer each and every time that you study it. All right, we'll see you in the next class.